0: Hello and welcome to a very special episode of the Tennis Fanlist podcast. Finally, we have arrived at Roland Garros. I'm your host, Marcus Alley, and joining me as always is the French Open to my Roland Garros, Michael Gillett. Michael, you must be absolutely buzzing. I've finished university and the French Open is around the corner pretty much within a week.
1: Yeah, it's kind of weird. It feels like we waited longer for this French Open with the uh, week delay, but I suppose it's actually been shorter considering that Australian was pushed back by a whole month. But um, yeah, absolutely buzzing, to be honest. Really looking forward to this tournament. Every year I get excited about... It potentially being the year that Nadal gets beaten, uh, and and we see a, a, a new guy come through and, and and win it, and and that's definitely sort of the the train that I'm trying to get on at the moment. Uh, so yeah, looking forward to speaking about it with you.
0: Just an early inclination there that I think. Myself and Michael will possibly be supporting the field more than Rafael Nadal in in this year's French Open. Obviously, the uh, 13-time champion will be looking to stretch that gap over Novak Djokovic and overtake Roger Federer and go to 21 Grand Slams should he be victorious in Paris, which, of course, he's had such unbelievable success uh, in over the years. Um, Having looked at the draw, which I think came out yesterday, obviously, we're going to go through our predictions and, and preview in this episode. But I just want to know what your were your initial thoughts? I mean, the word that, the sort of um, phrase that, that sticks to my mind is top heavy. Um, you've got Roger Federer, Novak Djokovic, Rafael Nadal, Yannick Sinner, Aslan Karatsev, all in the top half of the draw. Um, what did you make
1: of it? And where do you see the opportunities coming? Um, yeah, I think very, it's very top heavy. I think that was always the... Um... The worry, perhaps, with Nadal being ranked uh, seeded at number three uh, is bizarre, really. I I think there should be a special rule with Nadal just being number one seed at the French Open. It's a bit ridiculous, to be honest. Um, I think... The one thing that I'm really pleased about is the fact that Sitsipas is not also in that half of the draw because that was also the potential. Um, I think Rublev is in that half of the draw at the number five or six seed, I think sixth. Um, if it had been the other way round and you'd ended up with Rublev in the bottom half and Sitsipas in the top, then I think that would have been a real shame for the tournament. Um, not Obviously, I would never take it away from someone getting to a grandstand final, but I do think the person who got through that bottom half of the draw, you know, would have had it a little bit easier than the person getting it through the the top half. But, um, yeah, I, I think it makes for a really interesting tournament. And perhaps, you know, Nadal is getting older now. I think 34 years old now, um, obviously been around a lot now at the French Open. And perhaps him having a tougher route to the final could be really interesting because I do feel like from... More recent years, Nadal's had very easy sort of opening matches. Um, the first round match against the next Poppy right now, you know, it's not a match I expect Nadal to struggle in whatsoever, but a, a guy that I, I do think could at least push Nadal at times. And and so perhaps Nadal having a real tough half of the draw could be really beneficial for the tournament and could see by the, by the time he gets to the, the final, um, presuming he gets there if he does. Uh, He could be a a little bit more tired than usual. We've talked about the bottom half of the draw. It's going to be very interesting. I think there's a lot of pressure on Stefano Tsitsipas. Never made a Grand Slam final. But I think with being in that bottom half of the draw with Daniel Medvedev, who's never won a match at the French Open before uh, and has a very tough first round himself, I think all of the pressure is on Tsitsipas now if Tsitsipas doesn't get through that half of the draw. Really don't know who is. Team obviously's had his injuries. This clay court season hasn't been on on sort of the best of form this year. Um, Zverev has had a very on and off year, winning in Acapulco and Monte Carlo, but then some sort of terrible results elsewhere. You know, if it's not six that gets to the final, it could be anyone. Uh, oh, maybe not anyone, but um, yeah, it, it makes for a really interesting draw. Sorry, I will um I pause it back to you, but yeah, that, that's my that's my take sort of on the on the top heavy draw. I think it it could be really interesting.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I think one of the things that does definitely stand out is just what a glaring opportunity this is for Stefanosic to pass to make his first Grand Slam final on his favourite surface that he's produced some of the best form of his career in the last month or so. So I think as a player in the best form and with the best current level in the bottom of the draw, I think he should he should really fancy his chances and for nice one hope, hope that he, he grabs it with both hands. We've seen Rafael Nadal, Um, get tested by the likes of Ilya Ivashka and come very close to losing to Denis Shapovalov in in recent weeks. So with names like Alexei Popirin, potential second round with Hugo Gaston, a breakout player at at last year's tournament, and informed players like Lorenzo Sonego, Yannick Sinner, Aslan Karatsev, all in his sort of uh, quarter of the draw does, does make it really interesting. So yeah, hopefully we do see Rafa tested early on. He, he he won the title without dropping a set of course, last year. I know, you know, we're all in for seeing a slightly better contest than that. Um, But anyway, on, on onto the draw preview and uh, how we're going to do this is a little bit different. Usually we just rattle off our quarterfinals, but with this, uh, a 128 player draw, obviously we don't know, Um, who the qualifiers are going to be yet, but um, we're going to go through it at more of a leisurely pace. Um, So I'm just going to target the first sort of, um, I don't know, maths wise, the first eight players. So Djokovic's path to the last 16 for me in that. um, So yeah, the the top eighth of the draw. Um, So you've got Djokovic and then at the bottom there, you've got Ugo and Bear, if you're looking at the draw, which I have in front of me right now, obviously... For me, it looks like quite a nice path for Djokovic to ease his way into the tournament. Obviously, pay, playing in Belgrade this week um, came as a little bit of a surprise to me. But given the, the sure footing that I th- I expect him to have in Paris, I don't expect that to make too much difference. And I, I think, yeah, like I said, what's your opinion? But for me, it's, it's a very nice opening
1: couple of rounds. Yeah, I think Djokovic um, will be pleased with the the top half of his draw I think the fact that he played Belgrade this week I know it's his home his home sort of uh city um in the sense that it's from his home country and I I believe I know the last one was played at the Novak Djokovic tennis centre um I I don't know actually if this one has been played there um but you know maybe he feels sort of an obligation to play but I think perhaps it also shows that he's not so confident going into this tournament um you know he's he's had a f- couple of losses uh, in the clay court season, which he wouldn't have uh, we wouldn't have expected him to get. But um yeah, I I think a first round against Tennis Sanger and potential second round against Paulius Cuevas. Um and then even in the four players below that, you know I I don't really see anyone that's going to be stopping Djokovic making that fourth round to be honest. So um yeah, have have to completely agree with you. I think Djokovic um ha- has definitely been dealt a nice hand at the top of the draw.
0: Yeah, I think speaking even more to how open it is and maybe how we don't see a a standout name surrounding him, I've actually gone for Salvatore Caruso to meet him in the third round and to get past James Duckworth and actually knock out uh, one of the home favourites, Hugo Bear, in in the process. So, yeah, I think we're we're both expecting Djokovic to ease himself into the tournament without too many issues. Um, Just moving down a little bit and the next sort of chunk of eight players, you've got Alex Dimenor in there, an interesting name who's been struggling this year. Um, Of course, Joe Wilfred Songa, which I'm sure will be having uh, plenty of um, support there. You know, he's he's got some good memories, not particularly a, a player that's had really impressive performances on clay in his career that stand out, but he's definitely be relishing had the chance to play at his home Grand Slam once again. And then possibly one of the standout ties of the first round is sort of it out with the old, in with the new. You've got David Goffan versus Lorenzo Massetti, the 19-year-old Italian who has had some excellent results in recent weeks and is climbing that top 100 ladder gradually.
1: Um, what, what do you make of that little, little section? It's kind of deja vu for David Goffan. I was looking at the draw last year and Goffan actually had uh, Yannick Sinner in the first round last year was beaten in straight sets, obviously now been lumped against another hot Italian youngster. Um, I've actually gone for Goffin to win this match, uh, which might come as a bit of a surprise, but uh, I, I think mistetti i yet, yet to really see him. On, I, I don't think he played at the French last year, even though he was uh, around on the, on the clay courts that season, might have lost in qualifying. And I think with Grand Slams, it's just a very different ball game. Goffin, um has some sort of decent results at the French before, I think sort of consistently getting to the sort of third, fourth round. But then saying that, um, I've probably gone for one of my bigger surprises in this little bit of the draw. I've actually got Yoshihito Nishioka uh, getting through uh, these uh, this little section, um, beating Di in the first round, I think. Uh, he he has an, a nice first-round match against Songa, it must be said. I, I expect this could be the last time we see Songa at the French Open. Um, as you know, one of my favourite players, uh, was my favourite player for a long time when he was sort of in his prime. Um, and I, I'd like to catch a bit of that match against Nishioka, but unfortunately for Sanger, um could be a, a, a little bit a little bit of a tough uh, tough rider. Che, Chechenato is also in that little section, obviously being Djokovic before... Um, but going late into Palmer this week, uh, and, a, and a match that I think is winnable to stay against Munar, I've I've only got him to get to the second round, uh, and I have got Demon to to beat him.
0: Yeah, I completely see your point. I have maybe gone with my heart a little bit more with my head, and and and. Plumped for Songa to get past that first round match. And I've gone from Massetti to beat David Goffin. So we're disagreeing already. This is good to see just in that top chunk of the draw. Um, yeah, a word on Marco Cecchinato. He's had a really good week. Um, and yeah, comes in as maybe a slim favourite against Jaime Menar. Maybe a theme of my draw is I've maybe gone for players... Um, gambling on them producing their peak performance at this, the biggest stage in, in clay court tennis. so I have, have actually gone for Ciaconato to make the third round and end up losing to Lorenzo Massetti. Um, but yeah, definitely be a, an interesting interesting to see how the players that have gone quite deep this week actually get on once we get started in Paris. It's also, I think, quite a good opportunity for Alex de Menor to throw his name in the hat once again. If he can progress to the last 16, and I think he'll be able to put his poor form behind him. Um, of course, he got to the quarterfinal of, of the uh, US Open at the back end of last year. So he does have a little bit of pedigree on the Grand Slam circuit. But as a younger up-and-coming player, we definitely want to see a little bit more of that.
1: Yeah, I think mean, um, Alex Minaur not had the, obviously, as you said, the best year, but his results on the, the clay court season aren't too bad. He's got uh, wins against Alexander Bublik, um, Lloyd George Harris and Haume Munar. Uh, the Madrid Open, um, went out first round at the Italian Open. But I mean, that for me is still better form on the clay than I would have expected from from D-Mill.
0: Yeah, definitely been able to put a poor hard court season behind him. Uh, Just moving on to the next chunk, and this one's topped by Matteo Berrettini, the ninth seed, of course, the Belgrade 1 champion just a few weeks ago. Um, And he's had an interesting year, obviously a terrible 2020 due to injury and just bad form. But he's been able to sustain his top 10 place thanks to the new ranking system, which of course will be running out towards the end of this year. Um, So it's been interesting to see him kind of recover as a player who in our minds was probably outside the top 50 to sort of produce the form that got him into the top 10 in the first place. Um, so he's a player that I do have to progress to the last sixteen and actually go on to make the quarter final. But just in this little section here, I think as long as he doesn't get a horrible sort of um, wild card selection—not an actual wild card—but in terms of what qualifier he plays in in, in round one, I think he should be should be set on to, to make the second week at least here. So he's got a qualifier in the first round, then one of Feliciano Lopez or Federico Correa. I see no problems there. And potentially Felix Auger-Aliassime in the third round, who um, you know he hasn't had some great results on clay in the last year or so. So I, I rank Berrettini over him. Um, so, yeah, that's that's a little spoiler to one of my quarterfinals. I do have Berrettini to p- progress all the way and, and face Novak Djokovic in the quarterfinal, which I think could be a really entertaining match if it does actually happen. But, yeah, Berrettini, probably the main name in that next sort of eighth of, of the draw.
1: Yeah, I'll give no spoilers away on, on Berrettini, uh, which might perhaps give a little hint at where we're going to go with this. Um, but I have got Berrettini to get through this part of the draw. Um, I've actually gone perhaps a little bit uh, head over heart here, just looking at sort of Grand Slam form, looking at a bit of the draw. I've actually got Kevin Anderson to make the third round, beating uh, Sunwoo Kwon and seem Um I think Anderson, I did look up his French Open results. They're not actually too bad compared to the, the rest of his sort of K court results. I think just a player who really likes to sort of, five best of five set set, uh, set up ups. So I've, I've got Berrettini to face him in the third round but yeah see, see no problems for Berrettini uh, getting to that fourth round where I have actually gone to meet Roger Federer uh, so we'll go on to, to that um, to that little section of eight players now.
0: Yeah so Roger Federer up next Um, it's going to be an interesting one he's had some disappointing losses of course lost to Pablo Anderha in the first round of uh, I think it was in Geneva last week so hasn't really um been able to acclimatise onto the clay as he would have liked, although it does feel like he is more playing for the enjoyment than seriously thinking he, you know, he has a chance of going deep into this tournament. So as as we were talking before before this episode, we were kind of looking for a way to make him win a couple of games and then ride off into the sunset. Of course, he mentioned with Joe Wilfrid Songa this could potentially be Federer's last um French Open. You never really know what what his plans are gonna be like. Uh, the top of this little section, you've got Taylor Fritz facing Joao Souza in the first round. I see no problem there for the American. I do have Fritz to sort of head up this little uh, quadrant in um, to, and to make the last 16. But maybe the headline of my whole draw is that I have Arthur Rindeneck to knock out Roger Federer in the second round of the French Open. The 25-year-old has had some decent results in um, recent, recent weeks. I was pretty sure he was in the top 50 of the year-to-date rankings when I checked a couple of weeks ago, despite currently being world number 117, he's got a wild card into the tournament. He plays Marin Cilic in the first round, um, so not not a, an easy first round at all. But I think with some of the form that he's shown in recent weeks, he can get past uh, the Croatian. Um, of course, Rindanek beat Yannick um, Sinner only only last week, so should should be very confident. And of course, he'll know know his surroundings quite well. I do think even if Federer can get past, he's got, he's got a qualifier in the first round and then one of Rindanek or Cilic. I think the end of the road would come for him in the third round. I know you've pushed him through to the fourth, but I think if he faces one of Dominic Kerpsho or Taylor Fritz in the third round, I think that would even be a mammoth task um, considering what we've seen from him this year. So it's hard, hard to predict. Obviously, you don't want to write him off because of the amazing career that he's had and the amazing weight of titles that he's got behind him but for me it's a second round exit for Federer
1: yeah I I was looking for more places where I could get rid of Federer um if he'd had in his first couple of matches you know a a, a sort of possibly even someone like a Cameron Norrie you know I probably would have gone for Norrie to beat Federer with uh you know the form is showing on the clay but uh, yeah, I, I've actually got Chilich to beat Rindanek. I think Chilich hasn't actually looked too bad on clay this season. I um, can't remember which tournament it was a couple of weeks ago. Had a, had a decent little run. Um, so, yeah, I've got Chilich to get to the second round, but I've got Federer to come through that. And I've got Federer to beat Dominic Kerpfer in the third round. i uh, got Kerpfer to beat Fritz in that second round. So another little disagreement we've got there, but I have got Federer to make that fourth round against Berrettini. Uh, but I have got Berertini to win that. So it's, it's fourth round um where Federer's run ends to me and for me. And I think generally I'm I'm just going more on I, I know he hasn't played in ages, but it's Roger Federer. Um you know it, it just wouldn't surprise me if he could get those wins. And in that little quadrant um or well, not quadrant, I don't know what the word is but I don't know apron or whatever, but um uh <laughs> um I just don't see anyone in that that section that that, that I think he, he won't beat on a Grand Slam level. When the last time he played the French Open, he made the semi. Um, you know, it, it is a Grand Slam. He's only won once, but that's only because of Rafael Nadal. Um, he, he's still a good player on the clan. He loves a Grand Slam. So, uh, yeah, I, I've gone Federer to fourth, fourth round, but I completely see why you put him out earlier, and I can definitely see it happening.
0: Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting viewing, I think. Hopefully, we'll get a better measure of, of where Federer is at. Obviously, it's going to be completely different with moving on to the grass in the next month or so, because that is his real opportunity to get some titles or or just put some runs together and show that he's still got it at the age of 39. Um, this, is the, this next uh, group of eight players is the final section of the top half of the draw. And of course it is headed off by Raphael Nadal. Now, he's the third seed for the French Open.
1: Does that make sense to you? Yeah, well I mean, as I said in my first um in, in my first sort of piece in this podcast, it's it's a bit ridiculous. I think he should automatically just get given first first seeding. But then I, I guess, you know, if you're gonna change the rules, it all becomes a little bit subjective and I perhaps the ranking is the best way to go about it. So um but yeah, I, I I completely get what you mean. You know, seeing Rafael Nadal free at a tournament that he's won thirteen times or twelve, um, one of the two. Um, it's yeah, it's a bit ridiculous to be honest. I think I think it's twelve. I think he's going for thirteen this year. Could could, could be going for fourteen, not sure. But um yeah, in, in this little section, um I've I've got him to come through against Poppy Poppyrun. That first round match against Hugo Gaston, uh, Richard Gasquet, oh, I think is one of the first round matches. Um of the tournament, actually. Uh, I, I reckon, in, uh, with the exception of Sitsipas, I reckon in the last 12 months, I haven't had as much fun watching someone play than I did against uh, Hugo Gaston when he played. I think it was Dominic Team. He lost to him five sets last year at the French. And, he was brilliant to watch. So I, I I do think it was maybe a little bit of a one-year wonder kind of for him at the French. Um, he's not quite backed it up. He's done okay at Challenger. Um, still only going. I think only 21 or 22 years old. So I'm not writing him off at all uh, in the future. But I, I have put Gasquet to win this match. I Think Gasquet. Um, for me, has, has played quite well in the last couple of weeks actually. Um. I think won a couple of matches this week in either Palmer or Belgrade. Um, so yeah, and they've got uh, Rafael Nadal to beat Cameron Nori in the third round. Uh, Cam Nori's been fantastic on clay this year, beating Dominic team. Uh, Lorenzo Senego also has done really well, but I have gone for Nori to beat Senego in the second round. Senego um, this week uh, lost to, was it Carbales Buena? Uh, no, Marcus coming in. Sed quarter. Beating. Yeah, oh, of course, you know, and and that's no, that's no bad loss at all, to be fair. But Cam Norrie for me has just been brilliant this clay court season, and actually, you know, obviously I've got Nadal to beat Norrie, uh, and I'm I'm not saying Norrie's going to get a set. I'd, I'm fairly confident he won't get a set, but I can't see Nadal rolling him over. Uh, is is what I think I, I would say if that third round does materialise.
0: Yeah, fair play. I did kind of want to go with Norrie, but I think maybe there might have been a little bit of conserving of energy with uh, Sonego going out in straight sets to quarter this week. Of course, he's, d- he's done really well at the Masters. He beat, um, beat Andre Rublev and Dominic Team in Rome um, and ended up losing to Novak Djokovic, I think it was. Um, so I do have him to progress past Cameron Norrie to meet Rafael Nadal. And I do actually have Gaston, the, the young Frenchman to beat uh, Richard Gasquet in that first round match, but it's going to be an interesting little section of the draw. I got a little bit of ahead of myself. We're, we're still in the top half. Um, sorry about that. Um, but yeah,
1: just moving on to this next group of eight. I was just going to say one thing quickly on, on Gaston. Not saying that I think he could beat Nadal, but even though I think Gasquet will get through that tie, I think Gaston would be a much more of a threat to Nadal. Uh, plays in a very unorthodox way. Of course Gasquet will have the crowd behind him before, but I mean Nadal would have played Gasquet countless times, probably has beaten him in the French at the past, I don't know. Um but yeah, I I hope Gaston gets through in that match because I think Gaston Nadal's second round could be a really good watch.
0: Yeah, I mean we saw the unorthodox style of Dustin Brown be Raphael's uh Raphael Nadal's undoing on two occasions, once most famously at Wimbledon. Uh completely different surroundings, but maybe there's a sort of inch of of that kind of aura about Hugo Gaston that could maybe uh, make it a tough one for Nadal. Just moving on to the next eight players, uh, we've got Yannick Sinner heading up this one. He's got a first round match against Pierre-Hugues Hebert, who of course is a, a dangerous player, particularly in his home country, making the final of Montpellier this year and, and actually beating Stefano Tsitsipas along the way to that. So he's very very capable. Um, I do have Yannick Sinner, though, the 19-year-old uh, Italian, or oh, is he 18? He's so young, it, it, it blows my mind, um, to, to make it to the last 16 here. And I'm very disappointed to say I do have Gail Monfils to go out in the first round to Albert Ramos-Vinolas. The Spaniard is having a decent year, and um, in his early 30s, he's proven that he can use, use his experience and uh, you know, has had some really good results, winning the title, of course, in Est- Estoril. Um, so, yeah, I'm, as such a Sinner fanboy, I assume you're you're pushing him through as well. But there could be some tough
1: matches in this little section. Yeah, 19 years old Yannick Sinner actually will be 20 years old in three months' time. Um, still feels like he he should be a teenager for longer, actually. I think that match against a bear in the first round, for me, could be the toughest match that he'll have in this little uh, section that we pulled out. Uh, second round against Jan-Luca Magère or John Millman. I've got Magère to get through that, but I can't see him struggling against his compatriot. And uh, Ramos-Vinolás, I have got to make the third round, but I, I can't really remember him ever really having much of a run at the French Open. I could be wrong on that. Um, but for yeah, for me, if Siné gets through that first round against De Bear, which I'm sure he will, I, I can't see anyone that, that stops him in in this little section. But, uh, yeah, like you, I had Monfils to go out in the first round. The fact that he's still the 14th seed uh, makes me chuckle a little bit.
0: Yeah, it's been a tough, tough sort of, well, ne- nearly a year since the fans were, were not allowed back in the stones for Gael Monfils. I think such a natural entertainer, it really has taken something away from his game playing in the empty stadiums. Now, a little question for you. Why on earth is Yen Sun Lu, the 37-year-old, 679 in the world, who hasn't played a match since March, got a main draw place in the French Open draw without
1: receiving the wild card? Uh, so, obviously, we do this on Tennis Draw Challenge. I'm, I'm going to have a quick look at the draw on um, Wikipedia. I'm wondering if it could be a protected ranking. um no, I, I'm not saying. Yeah, no, it's it is definitely Yen Hansen Liu, but um, I'm wondering if uh, the the um it could be a protected ranking. I, I don't really see how another way. Why protected
0: he... ranking is a waste yeah, of a place well, in the he, draw.
1: He did get a protected ranking into that tournament he played earlier this year. I remember seeing it on um on when we were doing our predictions, and I was thinking, how on earth has he got a protected ranking? And yeah, I'm not really quite sure how he's turned up. The first round against Schwartzman, I think we would be very shocked if Schwartzman. I know he hasn't had the best clay court season so far, Schwartzman. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not quite sure how Jensen Lewis is, is in the first round. Um, it kind of makes it's,
0: it really blows my mind. It really blows my mind. What is the point? You know, we've got really good, exciting young clay tennis players, uh, decent on on clay courts slaving away in the qualifiers some of them not even making it through like in their early 20s and you're giving away a spot to a 37 year old who's outside the top 600 um really questionable how long do you get a protected ranking for he hasn't been in the top 100 for like four years something like that um so yeah anyway you have got to remember though Mark.
1: um a bit of a threat at this time of year after being the 2018 Surbiton champion Yen uh, Liu, or maybe 17, I think 17 actually uh, but yeah, that's not really relevant um, yeah, I've I've got Kratsev to get through this little bit of the draw uh, to beat Schwarzman in the third round Kratsev just sort of I've just blown everyone's mind this uh, this uh, season uh, Schwarzman of course is really good on the Clay has got a good pedigree at the French Open he's challenged Nadal twice and at it, one time taking a set off of him which you know is massive but uh, he's just been a bit out of form really I think Kratzev and Schwartzman have met a few times this year already um Karatsev getting the better of him um so yeah I, I I I'm fairly confident that the now 24th seed which still sounds crazy to say Kratsev uh to get to the the fourth round
0: yeah um I don't have much else to say, really. I think I completely agree. I think Karatsev, for me, is a huge favourite to progress to that last 16. It'd be interesting to see him face Andre Rublev should the Russian um, make his way there. Of course, Rublev is the seventh seed and has had a superb year ranking in the top five, I think it is, in, in the year-to-date rankings. And, of course, beat Rafael Nadal in Monte Carlo. So it's an, another big tournament for Rublev. He's had so much success on the regular ATP tour, looking at sort of 250 and and 500 events, but we're all waiting to see if he really can put it together in a Grand Slam clay. Maybe not his favoured surface, but if you've beaten Rafael Nadal in the last few months, then he must be pretty good on it. Um, he start, he starts his first round against Jan Lennard Struff, which is quite tough. Um, if you pardon the rhyme there, um, but the the German Struff has had some good matches with Rublev. Over the years, um, Rublev still a very young player, of course, at, at 23. But he has had some good battles with Struff in the past. Um, Rublev may play a, may have a sort of tricky path to make the last 16. He's got Benjamin Bonzi or Facundo Bagnus in the second round if he does uh, make it past Struff. So two players that have had pretty good years, considering they're both ranked outside the top 100. Um, I think I think they they do merit their place in this draw, and of course, Rublev possibly coming up against one of. Well, a dangerous qualifier or Dusan Lajevic or Nikolas Bazilashvili, player has won two titles already this year, one coming on clay, just to make his way to the last 16. So, it could be interesting to see how Rublev gets on. I, for one, think he will make the last 16 um, to set up a tie with Aslan Karatsev. But, um, yeah, let's, let's see what Michael's gone for.
1: Yeah, um, interesting little section of the draw. Um, I've got Rublev to get through it uh, to beat Bonzi in the second round, went for a, a, a bit of a surprise. I think Bonzi has got a couple of first round wins before at the French Open. I think I was looking at, he, he's always seems to be in it as a wild card. um, Probably really enjoys playing in front of his home crowd. Um, in that little top bit of this section, uh, Basil Ashby against Lajevic, uh two very unreliable players. Every time I back, Basil Ashwood, he loses, uh, like this week. Every time I don't back him, he ends up going on and winning the tournament, uh, which happens to be every time Marcus does back him. Um, I've actually got unknown qualifier five to get to uh, the third round at the moment, and we'll wait until the, the qualifiers go out for that one. Uh, but yeah, I've got Rublev to set up an all-Russian fourth round against Aslan Kratsev. Um, so yeah and, and that would be a fantastic match uh, if it was to materialise and to be honest I can't really see how it's not going to materialise perhaps Dario Schwartzman beating Kratsev is the only real thing I'm worried about I, I don't think Rublev is going to have any problems against Struff um, I think if he does that's that's a real worry for Rublev in this sort of Grand Slam pedigree um, so yeah no, Rublev Ry- to get through that section
0: Right, so that takes us into the bottom half of the draw. Um, this one, quite a lot of qualifiers. Alexander Zverev will play a qualifier in the first and second round, should he make the second round, of course. Uh, so maybe some banana skins, but we can't really comment. We'll have to wait and see uh, who ends up facing him. But yeah, he's the, the main player that tops um, this, this little section. He's the sixth seed. Um, but... I do not have him making the last 16. I've got Alexander Zverev going out in the third round to Corentin Moutet uh, of France, who actually has a very tricky first and second round, but I've backed him. Uh, Corentin Moutet to the fourth round. Faces Laszlo Gere, another really good clay quarter. And then just below those two, you've got Mir-Mir Kecmanovic and Dan Evans, two excellent players. Kecmanovic has got a title on a clay court, so... If Zverev makes it past these two qualifiers to make it to the third round, I think he's got a tough match. Any of those four players, Mute, Jere, or Evans, have the ability to really test Zverev for me. And I've gone for Mute to knock him out.
1: Yeah, very interesting pick. I completely see where you're coming from. I've played it a little bit safe, but I don't know if it's ever safe if you're going for Zverev, I've got Zverev to get through this section I've actually got Zverev to, to go further as we'll, we'll get on to later I've got Mute to beat Gere and Dan Evans I have got Mute to get to the third round uh, but I've got Sasha Zverev to beat mute uh, not too much more I can talk about in this section, I can't really talk about qualifier 8 versus qualifier 9 um, but obviously as you say there's, there's potential I could be changing this draw Depending anyone who the qualifiers are, we will talk a bit later about Carlos Alcaraz Uh, The young guy, 17, I believe, um, looking fantastic in qualifying so far uh, and could be a real threat. So, you know, maybe if I see Zverev coming up against him first or second round, I might back. I might back a a Mute or even uh, a qualifier to get further into it. Uh, You never really know Zverev, but I have actually got him to go quite far into the tournament. Um, Yeah, hopefully for him, he can uh, produce some of the form he showed in Monte Carlo. Or was it Madrid that he won? Madrid, yeah. Mark's nodding at me.
0: Yeah, it was Madrid, yeah. So maybe I'm, you know, writing him off a little a little too soon given this success in the Madrid. But yeah, I just think Muto's a great player on a clay court and on his day, he can definitely test some of some of the best players in the world. This is a massive tournament for Muto, he's been born and bred sort of rising through challenger, playing uh, a lot of clay court tournaments. So I think maybe this will be, be his time, his coming of age. Um, just moving on to the next little section now. Not the most star-studded, but we've got 23rd seed Karen Hatchinov topping it up with Roberto Bautista, the 11th seed at the bottom. Three qualifiers in here as well. And maybe my, my surprise of the tournament One of my semi-finalists also finds himself in this eight players, and that is Kay Nishikori. He places a qualifier in the first round and then potentially Karen Hatchinov in the second. And as I've mentioned, I've got him to get to the last four. Nishikori, of course, I'm pushing through to the fourth round. Michael's looking very perplexed.
1: No, to be fair, when you first said it, I was thinking we were still in the top half of the draw, and I was thinking... How on earth have you got Nishikori to get to the semi with Djokovic and a well, I I, I realise um, that's not the heart of the draw now. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> fair enough. Um, I've got Bautista Agu to get through this bit, beating Nishikori in the third round. I think there's a good chance Hatchnoff could beat Nishikori. I think they've played a couple of times, actually, in, in, in a couple of recent months. Um Nishikori, I think, getting the better of Hatchinov, who's who's very hit and miss. So I didn't want to back him getting too far. Uh, But I've gone for Baptiste, who does like the Grand Slams um, and got a very nice couple of first-round matches. I I would think that uh, he gets to the third round, especially pretty much 100%. He's got a qualifier in the first round and then second round against either Yannick Kampfman or or another qualifier. But then again, like I say... um, if one of those qualifies as Alcaraz, then maybe I'll get on the train and uh, I'll, I'll put uh, Alcatraz to Al ah, Alcaraz um, to to um to go for. I need to work on my pronunciation a little bit of, of his name, but um yeah, Baptiste Guti to get to the Grand Slam fourth round, which is very much where I feel uh Guti likes to get in a Grand Slam.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Quite quite an exciting um, little section. I think Hatchinov has really upped his game in the last couple of weeks after having a poor year. Um, So I think if if he does play Nishikori in that second round, we know Nishikori loves to go to five sets for no apparent reason in a a Grand Slam. So I think that, that really could be one of the matches of the second round if it does come to pass. Um, moving on to the next section and Kasparud has got to be one of the sort of outside outshot names at the title. Um, I haven't checked the odds. I assume he's like pushing hundred to one, if not more, but outside the sort of household names of Nadal, Djokovic, um, Sitsipas. You've, you've got to say that Kasparud comes in that sort of next bracket inside the sort of top 10 favorites for the tournament. Probably he's, he's had a really good clay court season once again, and for me, he has a really nice path in the first couple of rounds. Benoit Paire and then one of Camille Marshark and Arthur cazot. However, once again, I'm going to upset the apple, apple cart as I do not have him to make the last 16, even though he's produced some unbelievable form in, in recent weeks and he is the 15th seed. I've got unseeded player and one of my favourite players to watch at the moment, Alejandro Davidovich Fokina of Spain, the 21-year-old to knock him out in that third round and go on to reach the last 16. So, yeah, maybe a little shock. Of course, we've got Miami Masters champion Ubert Um, just at, at the bottom of this section, the 19th seed. He plays a qualifier um, in, in the first round. I expect him to advance there. But, yeah, davidovich Fokina over Casper Rude for me. I feel like that is a, a bit controversial given how good Rude's been. Um, of course, I think he won a title last week, uh, maybe Geneva. So, you know, I think that could be an epic match. But I just think over five sets, Davidovic Fokina might have the fight to be able to get over the line. And he's had some excellent results on on the clay course this season, um, broken into the top 50 in the last month or so. He's definitely a player that's looking up in his career.
1: Yeah, this is actually one where uh, I very nearly agreed with you. Uh, I very nearly did put Davidovic Fokina to get there. Um, Casper Ruud, however, um, has got some good Grand Slam results, to be fair. Just looking back now, um, he's made the third round of the French Open the last two years, and considering, obviously, a couple of years ago, wouldn't have really been fancied to get there, I wouldn't have assumed, in 2019. uh, Made the fourth round of the Australian Open earlier this year, um, third round of the US Open last year. So he definitely seems to like the, the longer matches, best of five sets. So I have actually... Bottled the prediction a, a little bit. Uh, I was going to go for Davidic for Kina, but on on second thoughts, um, looking into it, I've, I've gone for Kasparud. Um, I've got Arthur Cazodi, 18-year-old, to beat Camille Myshak uh, in the first round. Not really sure why. Um, just sort of went through it. I think Kazo. Uh, just looking back on it now, had a, a decent win the other week. I beat Manorino. I mean, who doesn't? Um, beat Sebastian Corder a couple of weeks ago in Madrid. Um, which a very good win. Corder's having a great week in Palma. Um, made the fourth round of the French Open last year, Sebastian Corda, which I was seeing yesterday when I was looking back, and that uh, surprised me a little bit. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll get on to Corder. I don't know if we've got onto his part of the draw yet. Um, but, um, yeah, I think um, uh, for me, uh, where am I looking um Arthur Cazau uh, will will get to the second round with Kasparu to beat him. I've got Kasparu to beat Davidic Okay.
0: Um there's gonna be an interesting player in Dominic Team in the next eight of, of the draw. Um he's at the bottom of this section with Fabio Fognini at, at the top of it. Now for me, team uh, as um as we've said with Rafael Nadal having a tough first few rounds, for me teams is pretty horrible um to be honest. Uh, in, in the first two rounds, he's likely to have two players that this is probably the yeah the biggest event of their season. Um, it's quite big for team as well, obviously. But he's he's shown that he can produce just as good form on the hard course in the last year or so. So a first round of Pablo Andehar, of, of course, knocked out Roger Federer last week in Geneva, and a potential second round meeting with Federico Delbonis, who's had an excellent season so far. The thirty-year-old Argentinian. Is a tricky player on any given day in a two fifty, so let alone a five setter when team definitely hasn't produced um, the form that's seen him make two, I think, French Open finals in the past. So yeah, big banana skins, and then of course we know Martin Fuchevitz, Gilles Simon, Fabio Fognini, all just for him to make the you know the last sixteen, you have to play three of of those players. Um, it's a really tough start for him. Um, the twenty seven year old is. Come, recovered from his foot injury and played some good tennis, but hasn't really gotten through to, you know, he made the semis in Madrid, which was impressive, but he hasn't really shown us any of the old Dominic team that we used to know and love. Um, so I do have him going through to the last 16 and to go on to that quarterfinal,
1: but I am concerned. Yeah, I've gone for a little bit of a risk here. Uh, I've got Dominic team to go out in the third round to Martin Fucsovics. Uh, Fucsovics, uh, made the fourth round last year. Went out in the fourth uh, in four sets in the fourth round to Andre Rublev. Uh, got wins. He actually beat Daniel Medvedev last year. Uh, Fucsovics uh, then went on to beat Ramos Vinolas in straight sets, and Thiago Monteiro in straight sets. Um, you know, two good clay court players there uh, before losing in the fourth round. Anna. Of late, um can't remember which tournament it was in the last couple of weeks, Fuzevitz um looked very good. Uh was playing very well on the clay course, Actually has looked good uh this year. So um yeah, I've got Fuzevitz making the fourth round, uh, getting through that section, and actually uh I'll go ahead a little bit. I've actually got him beating Kasparud. So I've got uh, Martin Fuzevitz making the quarter final, um, which I feel like could be his first uh, slam quarter-final. I'm just going to check that now, actually, because I feel like he's the sort of player... You know, yeah, he's made fourth rounds in Austria, two fourth rounds in Australian Open, and um, made the fourth round last year in the French. But uh, yeah, not a quarter-final, but um, I'm, I'm gone for Martin Fusovic, Um who actually saying that will have a, a very tough second round probably against Fabio Fanini, so might not even get through that. But um, Backing the Hungarian to beat Dominic teen in the third round, one of the, the standout surprises in Montreal.
0: Next up, we've got Stefanos Tsitsipas' start to the tournament against veteran Frenchman Jeremy Shardy. So could be an interesting one. Shardy's had a, had a good year. Um, you know, he could, continues to surprise us and his, his longevity, longevity in the game has, has, has really been outstanding. Um, but I don't see him in being a problem for the informed Greek. Um, as you just mentioned, Sebastian Corda is also in this little section. He places Pedro Martinez, which is a banana skin considering how deep corda has gone in Parma this week in the first round, but I expect him to progress uh, and lose out to Tsitsipas. So of course I do have to make uh, the fourth round. I've also got John Isner to meet him in the third round. Um, I've got Isner to beat Sam Query in a match that I will definitely not be watching. Um, yeah, uh, fair play to anyone who who can sit through all of that match. I'm not sure the points will be that long.
1: Sorry, Marcus. I, f- I think this will be a fantastic match.
0: It, you know, if that's what you're into, you know, there might be people out there who who want to see, you know, if, if a rally goes on for longer than five seconds, they turn off. Um, so if that's I'm being sarcastic,
1: of- I, I will just point out to the listeners I am being sarcastic. Although there is. Query versus Isner is probably one of the first-round ties uh, that I would have wanted to see at least. The only one going ahead of that being Isner Opelka.
0: Yeah, fair play. We've seen Isner and Opelka both cause some upsets in, in the last few weeks. I think it was Madrid, uh, Isner had a, one, a, a run beating Auger, Aliassime, Amrublev, and then Opelka had a decent run in Rome. Uh, I think they beat Karatsev and some, some other decent players. So they have proven that the, the enormous serve can still be effective. On uh, the clay courts. Um, just moving on. I assume, actually, I assume, yeah, you've you've got Isner sits third round.
1: Yeah, one thing I did just want to say quickly. I think that second round for Sitsapas Pass is a horrible second round. Sebastian Corda against Martinez Potero. Uh, looking back on the draw from last year, uh, when I was doing my picks yesterday, I was surprised to see that Corda Martinez Potero was actually a third round match at this tournament last year. They were both qualifiers. Corda uh, made the fourth round, winning that match. Uh, I think it was in straight sets. I'm not sure if I've, I've written the score down actually, but um, uh, yeah. But Martinez Portero, I really had escaped my mind that he made the third round of of the French Open last year. Um, so yeah, those two uh, will be going for their second match at the the French Open. But you know, Sitspass will have to be on it to to beat the winner of that match. And if Corda does go deep. This week uh, in in Parma, he's already gone deep. If he makes the final today as a really tough final and it takes a lot out of him, I'll actually be changing my pick to a Martinez-Portero win um, rather than than Sebastian Corda, who I have got to win that match. But yeah, I think that's a fantastic first-round match.
0: Yeah, moving on. And this one is maybe one of the uh, least sort of headline uh, little sections. You've got Milos Raonic, not a player that's done great on the clay course in his career at the top of this section with Pablo Carreno Busta, the 12th seed uh, at the bottom of it. I do have Carreno Busta to go on and make the last 16. I think Francis Tiafoe has got a good chance of a run here. If he can get past Steve Johnson in the first round, I'll give him a shot. Um, I actually have pushed Francis Tiafoe to beat Milos Raonic in the second round and make it through. Um, I've gone for the wild card, Enzo, Enzo Kuasad. I'm going to go with that pronunciation. Uh, to, to make the second round as well. But no problems for Carreno Buster for
1: me in this little section. Sorry. Um, yeah. Uh, well, I've got to disagree with you. This is one of my um, my big, probably, shocks uh, of the draw. I have got to get through this section, one Norbert Gombos. Um, I've gone in beating Pablo Carreno Buster in the first round. He's had a fantastic uh, week this week in Parma. Uh, defeat, well, qualifying for that tournament. In fact, no, actually, he was a lucky loser, I see now, but he beat uh, Emil Roussevori, a very good win, uh, and then Albert Ramos, a fantastic win on the clay court uh, before losing to Chechenato, and, you know, Crenio Busta, for me, just not sure I've seen a lot from him of, of late on the clay court, so I think he might have... Actually, did he, did he win? Uh, he yeah, won Marbella. He did win Marbella, actually, so, yeah, fair enough, but... um. I thought, why not? I've gone for Norbert, Gombos to be Krenovista, Gerasimov and then Milos Reinic in the third round. Um, yeah, just a bit of a bit of a wild card. I feel like there's always someone of Norbos's, uh, Norbos? Gombos is Pedigree, who makes a fourth round in any Grand Slam. Uh, there's always someone like that. And, and for me, uh, it was going to be Norbert.
0: I think you're out of your mind. Um, you know, recency bias as well. I think you're absolutely out of your mind. I'd be happy to sign up for some kind of forfeit it's not if Norbert Gombos makes the last 16 of the French Open, especially in that section. Corona Buster's had a great year. One more bayer you know, he's, he's shown that he's not just a hard-court slogger. Um, yeah, definitely. A, <laughs> that, that has shocked me. That is definitely the pick that's shocked me the most so far. Anyway, just got two little sections left of this draw now. Um, This penultimate one is topped off by a player who I really can't understand how he's still in the top 20 with the new ranking system. Can't be much longer. Former ATP Tour Finals winner Grigor Dimitrov is at the top of it with Christian Garin, the clay court specialist Chilean, at the bottom of it. Now, this is possibly the second biggest shock of my uh, predictions. Obviously, Nishikori to the semi-final is the headline. I feel like this is maybe second. Um, One of my quarter finalists... Guido Payer is in this section. So, of course, I have him to make the last 16, get past a qualifier in the first round, beat Dimitrov in the second, and to beat Christian Garin in the third round. Um, Whoever does get through this section has a huge opportunity to go deep because Medvedev is the second seed, which he's simply not the second best player on a clay court. So it really will open up for someone if Medvedev doesn't. Uh, get out of the get out of the first couple of rounds
1: yeah i um, again, you might think I'm a little bit out of my mind in in this uh little section um but i i have got sorry who, who did you say you had getting through it this
0: payer Guido payer
1: okay yeah, Guido payer so I've actually got Grigor dimitrov uh to get through this section, and I'll maybe surprise you a little bit as we as we go on um but um, I've got Grigor Dimitrov to get through it. He does love a Grand Slam, uh, Grigor Dimitrov. He really does. He's made the fourth round of the last French Open uh, and and three third rounds before that. It was actually 2016, uh, the, the first time he went out in... Uh, the last time, sorry, went out in the first round. Um, he, he loves this format, and I, I can't see him having any problems against Marcus on. Personally, I've I've actually got qualify fifteen to beat Guido Pella in the first round. Obviously, uh, that's subject to change depending on who it is. And you know, if this is an Alcaraz, uh, Alcaraz, uh, I will be having Alcaraz getting through this uh, fourth round and, and even to the the quarter final, where I've actually got Dimitrov to get to. Um, very outlandish pick, I know, um, but with Medvedev being in this this little bit of the draw, and we'll get onto that section. Um, could be anyone, really. Uh, it could be qualifier at 15. It could be Juan Ignacio Londero. Who knows?
0: Yeah, fair play. I think you give that argument that Grigor Dimitrov turns up in the Grand Slams, of course, making the quarterfinals of the Australian Open. I use that exact logic, but only to push him through to the second round. That is how strongly I feel that Grigor Dimitrov is over the hill now um, at the top level he might win a couple of two fifties still in his career, but I can't see him getting into the second week of a grand slam ever again. I think the opposite
1: though. Um, I I think I, I find it hard to see him winning the two fifties, but I can just see him running to a grand slam quarterfinal. I mean, he's made the quarterfinals. I think of um, is it every grand slam other than the French? Uh, He's made the semi final of every grand slam other than the French. Um, yeah, no, I I, I think we, I I think we could definitely still see him have runs at the Grand Slams.
0: For me, I think Dimitrov's career is split in two, before and after winning at the O two. Um since then I think his motivation has gone through the floor. Um and so yeah, for that reason I think He's going to struggle. Um, I'd, I'd probably back Christian Garin to get past him, even if he did progress past Guido Pella. But anyway, this is going to be a really interesting part of the draw because, as I mentioned, Medvedev doesn't really have, have the, the form or the clay court level to justify being second seed at this tournament. It's just purely because of his ranking. So it's likely that it will really open up and there'll be some huge opportunities for some of the smaller players to have a great run. So just onto that bottom section, which of course does include Medvedev. And I'll just run through this one. You've got Riley Opelka, Andres Martin, Halme uh, Munar, Jordan Thompson, Tommy Paul, Christopher O'Connell. And then the first round match between Alexander Bublik and Daniil Medvedev. Um, I think we might be in agreement. I've, def- I've gone for Alexander Bublik to, to beat Medvedev and,
1: and knock out the Russian in the first round. Yeah, completely agree. I think we mentioned it on our DMs actually last night. Uh, Bublik having a good year. Perhaps not um, amazing form on the clay. Um, beat Karatsev at the Madrid Open, to be fair. Shapovalov and Fusovic. So that one standing alone is, is very good. But look at his other clay court results. He, he only won three games against Pedro Martinez in Estoril. Estoril, uh, Estoril sorry. Um, lost to Alex Di in Barcelona. Um, but yeah, no, I, I can't see Bublik not winning this. I think when I was looking back on his French Open performances, I think he's made the second round in the last two years. I think all. So, um, yeah, I saw. So yeah, and you know Medvedev, um, the, the fact that he's second seed and he hasn't won a match at the uh, French Open and he's seeded over someone who's won it twelve or thirteen times or whatever, uh, it, it's a bit ridiculous. But uh, yeah, Bublik to to win in the first round, and I think. Not going to do. Never any good to hang to hold that uh, title for another year. Uh, never having won a um, a French Open, and, and perhaps he, he might even return to French Open next year. Being a Grand Slam champion, you, you still wouldn't write him off a U.S. Open or an Australian Open title um, in in the coming year. Uh, in the coming year, maybe even Wimbledon. I, I, but uh, I think he's in the hat for all of them, but certainly not this one. Um, Biblick to win this and I've got him coming through that that uh, section of the draw beating moon Moonar in the third round. Uh, Moonar obviously gone deep this week so I'm not 100% sure if I'm going to change that a little bit based on uh, how much he gets pushed this weekend. Got Opelka to beat Andre Martin, uh, a player who plays now at Djokovic today uh, in the semi-final of Belgrade. Uh, and to be honest, I could actually see Opelka getting through this section if he got to the fourth round. Uh, if he's serving well he'll get to the fourth round. And if he's serving well, he'll beat Grigor Dimitrov in the fourth round and get to the quarter-final uh, on my draw. But I'm going to keep him just getting to the second round and, and hope that uh, we don't see the uh, the, the phenomenal serving from, from the American.
0: Certainly the most open quarter is is that one at the very bottom. I think Christian Garin, if he can play at his best level, should fancy his chances of making it. At, you know, if we're talking about, players at their peak performance level, I'd say Garen is is the best player in that, in that last quarter, but it's a grand slam. It's tennis. It's it's not as predictable as that. So it's going to be very interesting to watch that. We've reached the bottom of the draw now. So um, I think I'm happy just to rattle off my quarterfinals. We said who we were pushing through to the last 16. So if you just want to mention uh, briefly who you have to, to, to win, win in the last 16 and make their quarterfinals and, yeah, you can go all the way if you want. Um, I, I, I'm predicting that we might have quite a similar final and, and title winner, but um, obviously, yeah, I'll have to, have to wait and see. Take it away.
1: Uh, I'll go up to the semi-finals for now. Um, so I've got Djokovic to beat Berrettini in the quarter final, and perhaps big shock of my draw, uh, maybe bigger than uh, Norbert Gombos getting to round four. I've actually got Matteo Berrettini to beat Novak Djokovic in the quarterfinal and to make the semi. Um, like the Grand Slam, Berrettini's made the, the semi-final of the US Open before um, and was looking really good at the Australian Open earlier this year. Um, I think he had to pull out injured, I believe, ahead of his third or fourth round, I think it was, uh, which might have been due to be against Dimitrov, I'm not sure, but... Um, uh no, I'm, I know Sitspas. I think actually he's meant to play, but uh, I I can't remember. Um, I've got Berrettini to make the semi final to beat Novak Djokovic. I just haven't seen enough from Djokovic on a clay court yet. Um, okay, he did well in Rome, got to the final, but he always does do well in Rome. Um, other than that, you know, losses to Karatsev. Um, trying to remember who put him out. Um, in Monte Carlo, Dan Evans. Of course, of course, Dan Evans, yeah. Um, who we haven't even mentioned anything on the draw yet. I think I've got him to go out quite early. Um, Dan Evans is very quickly. You've got Mute in the first round. Of so course. We've yeah. got him yeah. to lose, I think. Yeah, we've both gone for Mute. Um, so yeah, there you go. Anyway, Berrettini to make the semi final. My second quarter final is Rafael Nadal against Aslan Karatsev. Um, no, sorry, quarter final, sorry. Um second quarter final. Uh, and obviously, I've got Nadal to come through that. Although, you know, I, I, I'm never going to not be shocked by Aslan Karatsev. now. Um, I think that's a really big threat for Nadal. And when we were talking at the beginning of the, the tournament about Nadal having a much tougher draw than we've seen in a long time, you know, potential 4 round match against Yannick Sinner, um, I've got Nadal coming through it. But uh, then having to come up against Aslan Karatsev. Who knows? Maybe he could do it. Maybe Kratzev could beat Nadal at the French Open. It, you know, The guy surprised us so much this year. I, I'm not writing it off, but I have got Nadal to get through it. Uh, so to face uh, Berrettini in the semi-final, what about your top semi-final, Marcus?
0: Um, I've got the same quarterfinals as you. The prospect of Karatsev meeting Nadal does really excite me, uh, I think. He'd love that nothing to lose kind of feel going into it, and I think yeah, I'd love to see that match. I'm sure it'd be very entertaining, maybe quite up and down, but um, yeah, that would definitely be some quarter final. Um, I've got Djokovic to beat Berrettini. I just think he's a bit more of a consistent player, and I, I could see him getting spurred on if the slim chance that Nadal loses before sort of um, the quarter final stage. I could see Djokovic going to another level. I, you know, I, I just think we're all expecting him to lose to Nadal if he does meet him in the semi-final. Um, and I think, yeah, I think even Djokovic's belief might be might be quite low given just how ridiculously good um, Nadal has been. But I, so, yeah, I do have Nadal to, to play Djokovic in the semi-final.
1: I think it's important for me to remember, even though I've got Djokovic to go out in the quarter-final, up until, well, I say up until the final, you know, Nadal was just superb last year in the French... I do think that the first six rounds that Djokovic played at that French Open were the best I've ever seen him play at the French Open. He was phenomenal either. That's barring, that's including the year that he won it. Uh, he was so good last year at the French Open. Um, didn't even I don't, I don't think he dropped a set on the way to the final. I think I may be right in saying. Um, so, you know, fantastic, but you know, I just felt you know this year, Djokovic, for me, just hasn't quite looked at it on the clay. Um, and I think Berrettini will really fancy his chances. He looks so good. And also, I, I just don't see that Berrettini doesn't get to that quarterfinal. There's no one really, with the exception of Federer. I mean, that's his only threat not to get to that quarterfinal. And from from that section of the draw, maybe I'll eat my words because you know maybe someone like a, a Kevin Anderson will get through. But um, yeah, I, I, I see Djokovic... Um, and Berrettini being nailed on the quarterfinal pretty much. And uh, yeah, I thought, why not Berrettini to make the set.
0: Yeah, I think I'm right in saying that Djokovic won his first 14 sets of the French Open last year, and then of course got pegged back to five sets with Sitsapas in the semi-final. But I think up to that point, um, Djokovic uh, hadn't dropped a set. Um, so, yeah, if you want to move on to, to the bottom half of the draw uh, when you're ready,
1: of course, I've got a couple of shocks. It is a lot more open than, than the top. Yeah, I stand corrected, of course, there was that uh, amazing semi-final between Djokovic and Sips Um So I've got Spur quarterfinal uh, Alexander Zverev to face Martin Futsiewicz. Um as I say, got him on a big run. And I've got Zverev to win it and make the semi-final. I, ju- I think his Grand Slam performances have been improving, Zverev, for me. Um, he, he, he's done a, a lot better in the last couple of years. And it's a, it's a massive risk, to be fair. It's, it's a huge risk. But, um, yeah, I've, I've, I've backed Zverev to get to the semi. Uh, and, of course, uh, I've got him to face... Um, well, actually, I'll go to the next quarter final. Sorry, I've got a six-past to face Dimitrov, my wild prediction, uh, Dimitrov to the fourth round, but Six pass getting through that. And I've got Six pass to beat Zverev in that semi-final. Um, for me, we haven't spoken too much about Six Pass in this podcast, but he's he's just been sensational this year. And we'll go on to talk about the final. Um, but yeah, I, I, I've got uh, Six Pass to, to beat Zverev in the semi
0: yeah, quite similar, obviously Nishikori being my standout name. Um, the thirty-one year old, I've got him to actually beat Dominic Team in the quarterfinal and make it to the semi. So that'll be Nishikori of a pathway of beating qualifier ten, Karen Hatchinov, Roberto Baltista, Corinthan Mute, and then Dominic Team in the quarterfinal to make the last four, which would be really impressive. But I just think Nishikori, a grand slam big stage, he's got to a final before. And sort of gearing up to the, the climax of his year at, at the Olympics, um, I, I think this could be a, a really good tournament for Nishikori. Um, I think he's definitely got the experience and uh, just the mental toughness. And I think he could out-tactic a few players, maybe not as quick as he used to be, but I think he's, he's still still got the the level that he can produce and, and on a clay court as well. Uh, then, yeah, Guido Paya in that open quarter at the bottom of the draw, I've got him to make his way to the quarterfinals. had a really poor year. Um, struggle with injury a bit, but I just think clay course is best surface. I think Christian Garin has been a little bit off this year. And so, yeah, it's, it's kind of a pick whoever you like to make that bottom quarter final, if it's not Daniil Medvedev. Um, so yeah, I think, um, it's got to be payer for me. I've got to meet Sitsipas, of course. And, uh, Sitsipas to, to beat Nishikori and set up a final with Rafael Nadal is, is my final. Um, Maybe a bit boring, but yeah, sadly, I don't see Rafael Nadal getting beaten on Philippe Chatrier. Um, so, yeah, I have Nadal to beat Sitsapas in the final, but I'm sure it really could be an epic match.
1: No one can describe Nadal, Sitsapas as boring, um, provided some of the best matches this year. I've done the same. Uh, I've got Nadal to win it. I just just had to go for it. But... What I will point out uh, on, on the Predictor site that we do, uh, it asks you for the number of minutes in the match uh, as well. And I've gone for 270. I've gone for, what would that be? That'll be over four hours. I reckon this will be uh, a blockbuster uh, five I reckon we're going to see Stefan Sitsipas come agonisingly close to winning it. Uh, but as always, I think we're gonna. it's going to be Rafael Nadal, who will be champion, but I will be fully behind Sitsipas winning this tournament. Um, also gone for Nadal purely because I think there's much, um, I feel much safer about him getting to the final than Sitspas. Uh, Sitzpas has been fantastic this year. Uh, but as I say, that second round against corda or martinez Portero, even Isner in the third round, um, you know, forward to that quarterfinal, you know, th- th- there's a lot of threats coming his way. Um, so uh, I, I don't feel as safe for six getting to the final. And, and yeah, perhaps a bit boring, as you say, but uh, yeah, Nadal to beat Sitspass. pass. Uh, but I'm going for an, an epic five setter, but maybe nearer the time uh, as, as the tournament's progressing. If that does look like it's going to materialise, we can give a bit more of a detailed prediction on that match.
0: Yeah, this year, there's no doubt in my eyes that Nadal does drop a set. Which, uh, which is a definitely an, an up on last year because, yeah, it was an onslaught. It really was. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I don't see him repeating that feat. Um, so, yeah, we've both gone for Nadal. But, uh, yeah, a lot of controversial shouts in there and hopefully a well-rounded um, little preview on the, on the field that there is currently at the French Open. Um, we'll get onto the qualifiers uh, later in the episode. I've got an interview there with a tennis journalist and making, his, making his debut on the podcast. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, Carlos Alcoraz, probably the standout name from the qualifying. Um, definitely one to watch there. Uh, but that concludes our verdict and preview of the French Open. So I'm delighted to say that joining me all the way from Louisiana, definitely the furthest uh, grab we've got on the Tennis Fanalyst podcast as yet is David Gertler. That is all about tennis blog and tennis blogger one on Twitter. David, how are you doing?
2: Hey, how are you? Thanks for having me.
0: No problem at all. Great to have you on. One of the main reasons that I've got David on today is that we'd like to throw a bit more light on the qualifiers going into the French Open. Obviously, Quite a big unknown when the um, main draw usually comes out straight away, but some really good runs from qualifiers at the French Open in recent years. So I feel like it's definitely an important point to cover. Just on the 2020 French Open, we had five players make decent runs who come out of the qualifying draw. You had a lucky loser in, in Daniel Alahi Galam Riveros, the Colombian player who I know we're going to come on to in a moment made the third round. Daniel Altmaier, the German, made the fourth round. Marco Cecconato, of course, a former semi-finalist, had to come through qualifying last year. He went on to make the third round. Pedro Martinez made the third round also. And Sebastian Corder, the up-and-coming American, made the fourth round. So I know we've, we've gone through our, our draw predi- predictions, myself and Michael, but it's important to... Uh, except that the qualifiers can really upset the apple cart. And I know Alexander Zverev has a tricky sort of pathway with a couple of qualifiers likely uh, to, to face him um, just so he can make the third round. So just to give, shed a bit more light on those players, um, I'm just going to run through the current 14 qualifiers that we know are going to be in the first round, there's a couple of matches ongoing. Hopefully, I'll be able to update you on those by the time we finish recording. But the 14 that we know as of now are Botic, van der Zandschelp, Daniel Ahigalam Riveros, Mario Bilea Martinez, Maximilian Martire, Taro Daniel, Carlos Taberna, Carlos Alcaraz, Alessandro Genesi, Mackenzie McDonald, Dennis Istamin, osta Ote, Bjorn Fratangelo, Bernabe Zapata Miraes and Roman Safiulin. Now, that's quite enough from me. Um, just to start off, David, I think Carlos Alcaraz is maybe the standout name at 17. Dropped just 11 games in his first uh, three qualifying rounds. What have you made of the impressive form from the Spaniard?
2: Yeah, I mean, last week he also won the uh If I'm pronouncing something wrong, you can correct me. Ouerus, challenger. He won it last week. The ball just explodes off his racket especially his forehand, he, his serve is improving and he's really able to uh, move around the court well and he, fly, he really does fly around the court and I'm really excited to see uh, where he lands in the draw. I don't think he's going to go like second week. I don't think it's anything like that, but he can upset a top player. You know, he mentions Zverev. I don't think he can beat there, but he can beat some of the other players he could potentially face a Rusevori
0: type player yeah of course I think um I've, I've made a poor start and got his age wrong already because I just said he's 17 but he did actually turn 18 recently and of course played Rafael Nadal on his 18th birthday there's going to be a lot of narrative I can see in sort of maybe the year to come of Out with the old, in with the new, is Carlos Alcaraz the new Rafael Nadal? Of course, it's very unfair, I think, to tar him with that brush in really the early exchanges of his career. But having said that, it's been a really interesting start. Um, Marin Cilic, I remember, spoke a few months ago in glowing reference to Carlos Alcaraz and what he thinks he can do in the future. Obviously, he's got so much time ahead of him. But just in what you've seen so far, would you be happy to give a little prediction or a little uh, estimate of, of where you think he could get to by the end of this season
2: yeah so i agree with you it's so unfair to put the pressure on him i think that the media has really put a lot of pressure on someone like coco goth too and i really don't think it I mean, they're handling it they're both handling it great but i don't think it's fair to them um it's tough to say especially because of the rankings you know and i don't totally understand how it works i don't think many people do um so it's harder but the bottom line is it's harder to move up the rankings nowadays. Um, but with that said, I mean, he's just broken the top 100 last week. Um, I would say top 70, 75, 70. What do you think? Uh, is that fair Too conservative?
0: What do you I think? I think that's fine. I think, I think that's quite bold. I mean, I, I think we expect him to slightly move away from the challenger circuit as, as the season progresses. I think, Maybe 60 would be the dream, top 60, but top 80 would definitely represent really, really impressive strides. I mean, it's, it's hard to really uh, deem how significant it would be because, of course, he's got so much time on his hands. But I think he has got a game that could transfer well when we're back onto the hard courts, which should definitely stand him in, mm-hmm. in, in good stead. Um, obviously, we've seen some young players like Lorenzo Massetti come through. I know he had a good run at Acapulco, but initially seems like a little bit more of a Uh, a clay quarter to to begin his career whereas I I think Carlos Alcaraz might be a little bit more um, adaptable in in the uh, early years that he's going to be on the ATP tour so it's going to be really exciting Um, but yeah I do just mainly hope to see a little bit more of him at those 250 events rather than playing in the Challenger and I think yeah if you can get top 80 then that's, that's been an extremely successful season. Um, just moving yeah. on, obviously we, we weren't able to, we, we haven't got all day to uh, cover all 14 qualifiers and the two that yeah. maybe might come in while we're recording. So I've got David to pick out four of his favourites, four um, players that will be going into the main draw that he thinks can cause the most damage. Um, at the top of that list, or at the top of that list as I've got it written down, is last year's third round maker, Daniel Alahi Galam-Riveros, who I know you tipped up, to get through the, the qualifying. What have you made of the Colombian in his qualifying? And uh, yeah, he's, I think he's only 24. So still a, a decent career ahead of him. And it's always a dangerous player on a clay court.
2: Yeah, he won his first challenger on clay late last uh, season. Um, wh- the deal with Jalan, he actually had a good run in uh, Santiago, the ATP event this year too on clay. Um, he's really good on clay, big serve, big forehand. In qualifying, The uh, lowest uh, percentage of first-serves one that he had was 68%, but the other two matches were 83% and 78%. But against Copahans, uh, he really had to battle hard. He was uh, down a set and down a break twice. Uh, So he – down a set and a break twice. So he really um, had to battle hard. And, you know, Copahans is a really tricky opponent on clay. I believe he's a junior French Open uh, champion, so that was a good win. We saw last year, like you said, um, he made the third round, beat Cam Norrie, who, as we're seeing uh, this year, is a pretty damn good uh, clay player. Uh which I was not – I admit, I was maybe not expecting to happen. Um,
1: so I'm really
2: impressed with Galan. Um, def- definitely um, some – you know, he probably had some pressure this year. He's expected to make the main draw. Same with Alcaraz. You know, some of these players. Have had some success, uh, you know, recently on clay. They're expected to make the main draw, and he handled it well. So, kudos to him,
0: yeah. Um, of course, I, I rate Galán Rivera's chances as well, I think. He's got unlucky with his draws, I think, on, when he's played on the main tour this year, sort of been able to make his way to a sort of second or third round and then face, face a player that sadly is he's not able to topple. But I think definitely in years to come, he's going to be a real threat, particularly maybe, as you mentioned, Santiago, on that, that South American clay court swing. Uh, but moving on to a player a little closer to home for you. And it's a, a player who's had some injury troubles in the last few years, but has really done well to get his rank ranking back up to close to, um, to push in the top 100. And a player has done well to qualify this week in McKenzie McDonald.
2: Yeah. So McDonald, uh, he was in a pretty brutal section, uh, with, uh, Kokonakis is his first round opponent. who recently won a clay court challenger, um, and then also he had Sebastian uh, Baez, who ended up losing in the first round, but he was a uh, he was a potential uh, final qualifying round opponent. Um, he ended up playing uh, Marco Trungoliti, who uh, beat Baez, uh, and then beat Denny uh, Um So, but he also in the second uh, in the second qualifying round had to beat Renzo Olivo, another season play quarter. So it really was a tough draw for Mackenzie McDonald, um, and he didn't drop a set. Uh, he held Kokonakis to 42% second serves one, held Olivo to 23% second serves one, and then held Trangoliti to 55% second serves one and won 78% of his first serves in that match. What I really like about McDonald's game is how he is so aggressive. He controls the baseline, big serve, um, big forehand. He really is looking to attack. Um, and even though he's more natural on hard hardcourt, he's really done a good job adapting his game to clay. Um he in uh Heilbronn, uh he uh recently lost to Galan um at the in uh, in the Challenger. But uh I really liked what I saw in the heat from him and I think that he translated it well to qualifying. I don't think he'll be in many more slam qualifyings to be honest. He's too good for that.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think if it wasn't for his injury troubles over the last few years and having to come back from them, he'd, he probably would have sustained a ranking around around between sort of 50 and 60 at least. He, that, that's sort of the point they he got to, I think. Um, but the next guy I'm going to go to is someone that I did not expect us to be talking about making the main yeah. draw, <laughs> let alone being David's top four picks to cause some waves in the tournament. And that's Oscar Otte, the German. Uh, I mentioned how Carlos Alcaraz only dropped 11 games in his three qualifying matches to make the tournament. However, Otte only dropped 12, uh, as David informed me before this recording. So, yeah, incredibly impressive from the German. Dispatching Hugo Delian, an impressive clay quarter uh, in the final round of qualifying. So, yeah, as you say, you've definitely seen more of him than me, but he comes into the first round in fine fashion and will be a player that I'm sure the players who have been drawn against the qualifier will be looking to avoid. Yeah,
2: so Ate, he actually made his initial breakthrough, I remember, on I think it was Chinese clay, but it was red clay, um, that was where he initially made his breakthrough, and when you watch him you might not think that he's a natural clay court, you might think he's better on fast court, just because he has a big serve, he does a great job taking time away from opponents, um, like I was saying with McDonald's, kind of similar with uh, with Ate, very aggressive from the baseline, Um he he held Delian, who played, I think, Delian, um, Kavchich was the, uh, best qualifying match I've seen all year. Um, he held Delian, Delian to 42% first serves won and 25% serve, uh, second serves won while winning 71% of his first serves and not being broken. In, then in the, in the first qualifying round, he played the, Kunis Warren, um, and held him to 53% first serves one and 39% second serves one while winning uh, 75% of his first serves and only getting broken one. And then in the second qualifying round, he played Petrovic, and he held Petrovic to 30% of his second serves one and won 93% of his first serves and 76% of his second serves and did not drop a set all tournament. I am really impressed with Oscar that he made the final of a challenger recently. He lost uh he lost it to Greek Spore, but he was impressive there. I am super impressed with his game. He like you said, he lost only twelve games, uh, which is ridiculous. Uh I mean has only lost eleven, so I guess it's becoming more normal now. Uh like you said uh before but uh losing twelve or eleven games in qualifying is just ridiculous and good for him. And yeah, he's gonna be a slightly dangerous player um because he's definitely not a name that like you said that that doesn't jump off the page as a danger match
0: yeah i think um you can you can hear the enthusiasm in your voice uh, just uh, <laughs> at the surprise but pleasant surprise of how well otte's done this week um so yeah it'll be really interesting to see how he gets on in the first round he's approaching sort of his late 20s so maybe it's about time oscar otte managed to put it together at a grand slam um just to finish off the the final player that David has identified is a player that we've seen do pretty consistently well on the on the clay courts this year. It's Bernabe, Zapata, Murias, the Spaniard uh, player will probably be knocking on the door of the top one hundred if he can continue his good form. But um, yeah, Zapata Murias, obviously Spain have so many talented players. It's important not to not to get lost in amongst them. Obviously, Mario Bilea Martinez has also made uh, made the first round draw along with Carlos Taberna. So there's plenty of Spaniards uh, doing now, it in France.
2: Taberna was really impressive too, by the way. Yeah.
0: Super yeah. impressive. Yeah, he beat Lorenzo Massetti a few weeks ago, I, th- I think I'm correctly recalling. Um, in Madrid, but yeah. Yeah, but yeah Zapata Moraes um, got a few years on Taberna, I think, and is starting to become maybe the finished article t- as he's nearing his mid twenties.
2: Yeah, and the thing is the reason why I don't have Taberner on this list is because he's a little more defensive. He I don't really trust him to, you know, take out a player that can overpower him like a lot of the guys in the main draw can. What I like about Zapata Miral is is that he he well, first off, he won Halbron Claycourt court challenger. He's in form. Um he really hits kind of funky forehand motion, um, but it works. And he hits with good depth with good consistency, good placement. Um, He can ramp up the aggression a bit. He held Mark Pullman in the final qualifying round to 36% first serves one and 38% second serves one and broke him seven times. He held Dimitri Popko in the round before to 46% first serves one and 37% second serves one and broke him six times. In the First I was telling you before this, in the first round though, he played someone named I Kieran um who I think I've only seen maybe once or twice. Uh I was not expecting this to be a close match. Um but yet Jacquet won the first set and had a break point late in the third set um that would have got him off a break and I believe to serve for the match. Um he still did a pretty good job on return, winning sixty percent first serves one and or with Jacqu only winning 60% first serves one and 51% second serves one and breaking him five times. That was a close match. Um, and I, but yeah, so the thing about Zapata, like I said, he he really does a good job hitting his spots. His return is good. And I really, he beat Fabio Fagnini recently. Um, I know that was the default, but he won the first set six love, I believe. Uh, so I, he really is a player that I think could make some noise in the main draw. And I know he gets overlooked because there's so many other Spaniards. And for good reason, you know, you're not going to talk about Zapata Morales before you talk about Rafael Nadal. But he deserves some credit, too. Uh, good, really good play court season for him. And he actually beat Alcaraz, I believe, in the final of a challenger late last season. Um, he really has a good level.
0: Yeah, I think it probably speaks to the to the rhythm that Zapata Marías must be in that he could limit. I think you just said thirty five percent of Mark Pullman's first serve points, which is that's an incredible stat. Yeah, um, yeah, so yeah. He must be in really good rhythm to to be able to achieve that. Pullman's, I remember watching knockout Ugo and Barrett at last year's French Open in a quite a brutal match. So clearly, a player who has the clay court ability and and has shown it in Paris. So yeah, just to wipe the floor with him it is pretty impressive from Zapata um so I think that that brings us to the end of our little qualifying preview um I'm, I'm really grateful for you to come for you coming on David
2: oh yeah of course uh in terms of the matches in progress Brooksby's up a set in the or up a break in the third and it looks like Surundalo has a match point in the third set tie break so lots of drama still to fold but to still to come, but I'm really excited about uh, these qualifiers in the main draw. Thank you so much for having me.
0: That's no problem at all. Yeah, hopefully we'll get some young boys in like Jensen Brooksby and Juan Manuel Ferendolo into, the, into the, the Grand Slam would be really, really epic to see. Uh, that's david gertzler he's on uh, twitter at tennisblogger1 and that's all about tennis blog and he's also writes for a couple of other websites i'm sure you'll be able to find his name and some of his work if you just put him into the search engine um so yeah that concludes our qualifying preview thank you So that's all from us um we'll be provided plenty of cov- coverage via our twitter at tennis Fan List and hopefully plenty of episodes throughout the tournament the, the second grand slam of the year is finally here um so thanks for joining
1: me as always michael yeah thank you very much from talking about tennis to playing tennis this evening yeah enjoy uh the beginning of the french open and and enjoy the interview uh with marcus